0: Hi, I'm Deb Peart and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives.
1: only podcast going over the entire history of Australian Survivor, from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. Before we get into this episode, just a friendly reminder to everybody, if you do like the product we're putting out, smash that like button on all the social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can also subscribe to us. We're all good are sold, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, And while you're there, leave us a feedback. We would love to hear what you think of the show. And especially after today, because I'm very, very excited to be involved in this episode. It's another interview. We love learning all about the show that is Season 1 of Australian Survivor from the people who played it. And I'm particularly excited today for this person, because I know it's going to be fun. Because I'm going to learn a lot about the show, and some other TV shows potentially as well. Because I'm going to say that my name is not Ben today, it's actually Timmy the Dog. (laughs) <laughs> hi guys as you know my name's matt dyson and i'm also excited
2: because anytime we get a former contestant on this show it's uh, it's always an exciting moment we do learn so much but not only do we have one of the original contestants of the first ever australian survivor a cadena member we also have one of the five that's right one of the five of the famous five Tonight we are interviewing none other than Deb Peart. How are you?
0: Good, mate. How are you guys?
2: Fantastic, fantastic, great that we have you here tonight. We've got so much to talk about.
0: I know. I'm so. I'm so excited. I was so saying before we hit the record button how great it is to, you know, for for bad and for worse to go down memory lane and talk about the show and my experience on it. So thanks for all the the effort you guys put in to do this. I mean, it's amazing, and you know, I've, I've actually been listening and. Yeah, it's been really great, and it was great to hear David last week and, or the week before, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's wonderful.
2: Well, you said you've been listening. Is it sort of bringing up bringing up good memories of hearing all your former tribe mates talk about their experience from 18 years ago?
0: It is, actually. It's sort of funny. Like, I'm having, I, I, was, I was trying to work it out the other day. I feel like I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis, and I've, you know, not in a very serious way, but, like, <laughs> I just thought, oh, this is just drumming up all this survivor stuff, and, You know, and I hadn't watched the American version for a number of years, and I've started watching the Australian version when it started up again, and it's kind of fueled the fire a little bit. So I'm just having this kind of like, yeah, I'm living in this space at the moment that's all very survivor-centric. But, yeah, no, it's great to think back at it and experience it and watch it and watch the current versions and just go, wow, it's so different, but... Great to be a part
1: of. Well, I remember talking to you a couple of years ago over on the Oz Network. I had you and Sylvan on, of all people, one of our favourite people that we've actually been talking about (laughs) uh, in recapping your season. And what what really struck me with that when we were talking at that point was, yeah, your, your passion for the show still, particularly, you know, the Australian version had only been on for about a year or so then at that point. And it's actually few and far between, we've found, with a lot of the Australian contestants. They actually haven't been watching some of the newer stuff.
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, look, I have, uh, I guess, the other thing that I work in television, I don't work in reality television, I never have. Um, but I, you know, I'm I'm a, t- a child of that generation and grew up watching a lot of TV and um, and Survivor was landmark, you know, and we all know that, that first season in um, in Borneo and, and, you know, it was, yeah, it's just stayed with me. I, I mean, I'm still fascinated by it. I'm less sort of taken by the 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 pace of it these days I do think it's a little bit too it's still it's it's trying to to ride the narrative too much like the sort of the gameplay and and almost accommodating things to keep things moving which I think is a good thing too I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing I think it's got a lot to do with how quickly we take in content these days you know so but I'd love to see and I'm really really looking forward to winners at war I just think That's just, you know, that mix of old school and new school is just going to be me coming back to US Survivor for the first time in, you know, three years or something, yeah.
1: Well, to to date this interview a little bit, at least um, the time we're recording this, it is actually the Winners at War premiere day and it also doubles up as the 18th, anniversary of the very first episode of Australian Survivor to ever (laughs) air. So, it's kind of crazy to think that we've come all this way in 2020, at least, that we're having such two momentous occasions, this epic US season kind of culminating in 20 years of Survivor to this massive season, and this little-known fact that I think no Australian Survivor fan, except for Matt and I, are going to acknowledge, is the fact that on this day, Australian Survivor first aired in the history of television, so... Happy anniversary, I guess.
0: (laughs) Um, Thank you. (laughs) I know. I saw your little insta post about it this morning. I thought, oh gosh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I know. Long time ago.
2: So Deb, obviously you've just you've just said you were a massive fan right from the very start of the American season. So take us back. So when it came up on TV that you could apply for the first ever Australian survivor, was it were you immediately like, yep, I'm gonna Put in an application straight away? Did you hesitate? Like, try to think back. Can can you remember what your emotions were at that time when it came up that you could be a, a future contestant of this game?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't think I hesitated. I think I just knew that I wanted to apply. Um, you know, and it was that sort of thing where you know I would you know even just with amongst friends there was always this thing of watching the US version and um, the first two seasons obviously were on by then and um, and people just saying you'd be so good at that and so when the ads came on it was that it was the same thing it was like you've got to you've got to do it you've got to do it so um, you know I was very lucky I obviously because I work in the industry I had at my disposal um, great equipment and good people and the, the friend of mine who actually put my video together I shot a lot of the stuff for my uh, my audition tape myself um, but she shot some of it as well and she edited it and she's a documentary maker so it kind of just got packaged up really well and it was quite you know spicko and um, I think that that went a long way on me to sort of getting through and and through the next stages and stuff.
1: With that audition tape, so you were in, was it a, a martial arts arena, kind of, what was uh, the, the snippets that they did show on the reunion and sort of on that preview episode? Uh, can you tell us a little bit more, actually, what you yeah, did look, show I in was that? Yeah,
0: actually, oh, yeah, no, there was heaps more, so, um, and in fact, look, I've got it, it's on VHS still, <laughs>
1: You know we're going to so ask for it. it.
0: <laughs> I know you're going to ask for it, and I was actually going to try and get it for you, but I, it's, I think it's I've only got it on VHS, so I have to get it in some digital format if it hasn't, you know, been destroyed by mould. But um, yeah, so it, it had, I, yeah, I, I did martial arts for oh well, I've done it for thirty odd years, and so it was a bit shot at my kung fu school um, in an a sparring session, and there was stuff of me at Fox Studios where I was working at the time, riding around on a scooter, being a twenty six year old brat. Um, and, and then just a piece I did to camera one night, half asleep, talking about listening to people. And I think it was quite an honest kind of thing. And yeah, my, my friend sort of, I just said, look here, take it all and do it. And she just came back and it was a bit of a mix of all of that. And I think it was, it was good because it showed the physicality. It showed the, you know, the kind of environment and I had my peers and friends, work colleagues talking about me. And then there was this kind of very raw, honest piece to camera at the end. So it had a real good mix of. stuff yeah
1: given that really early period of reality television and working in television yourself what was the general opinion of reality television from people who worked within the industry at that time
0: um look it was still very new and and i think it that kind of division that because i work in drama which is you know a little bit more considered a little more prestigious it's certainly way more expensive to make and it's a, a smaller industry within the industry um uh, you know, and I think that was very much early days. So it was Survivor. I think it probably Big Brother was out by then. I, I'm not. ai don't watch any other reality TV personally. So Survivor's the only thing I watch. Um, uh, and I think that everybody there was a curiosity around it. You know, it's that classic. It's water cooler television and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think for me personally, what made Survivor so appealing was the physical aspect of it and the and the social aspect of it. You know, and that's where it was just this great social experiment to me. Um, and yeah, but generally around me, like I think there was a bit hot and cold in terms of people's opinions about it. But um, you know, you can't deny it's it's longevity and and what it's you know it's pretty much all you watch or see on free to air television these days, especially in Australia. So um, yeah, it was yeah still really early on, but yeah, definitely people were paying attention.
2: What do you think it was about yourself that that got you ultimately picked in the end? Because we know there was eight thousand five hundred people that applied do is there something about you that you think maybe that they liked or wh- why you why did you get on
0: probably feel the diversity quota just <laughs> no um i reckon it was just look i i was really surprised that i got through to the second round to be honest and i think it was because because of my background and and it is a small industry i didn't you know i mean because of, it's a totally different field You don't generally tend to think there might be a conflict of interest or knowing other people, and at that point, I didn't. Um, But yeah, I got through to the second round, and it was the written interview, uh, the written questionnaire, and then I got the call to come in, um, and we did the week at at a hotel in North Sydney, Um, and we did all the testing and all that sort of stuff. And I think, look, I, I just I'm really I don't know I'm pretty easygoing. Although it's funny because when I look back and think about the show. And even the way you guys sort of saw me, I was sort of like this happy-go-lucky sort of singing, you know, jovial person, <laughs> which I am. But I think that I've got a lot, you know, I, I think a lot about stuff and I internalize a lot of things. And um, I don't know, maybe that came through, you know, and I remember that when I went through the interview process, one thing that, you know, they got us all in this room. I think there was 50 of us when we started doing the testing at the start of that week. And then they said to us, if you're not here by the end of the week, don't think it's because You haven't been selected. It's just we're going through a process. But that was a bit of bullshit. And if you were there by the end of the week, you were on your way. And I remember doing a lot of the sort of interviews with the um, producers and the casting director and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I broke down a couple of times. I talked about some stuff that had happened in my family over the years. And I'm very open with that sort of thing. And I think that that whole idea of being yourself and being natural and being exactly who you are in that moment plays a lot into – your um you know how you can potentially be portrayed on screen you know your authenticity i think is 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 a big thing um so and that's something i would you know if anyone ever asked me about applying for the show that's the first thing i would say is be authentic and be yourself and just try your luck because you just never know
1: so at what point then did you really feel that you had a chance was it the moment you got the phone call saying you're on
0: no, it was before that, so I remember i was i 'd gone through and like just i 'll throw in some little interesting tidbits while I remember them. I mean that experience in that hotel was quite funny because they they kept us in there, and then they would say, "If you want to go out for a, a jog or go and do whatever." you can go out, but you've got to call us first, right? And there was a number you had to call within the hotel. And I remember one day you were getting cabin fever in there. Like you weren't supposed to be communicating. I mean, I had my smartphone at my phone and I was calling people, whatever, not telling them where I was, but I was actually working at the time. So I was sort of double doing double scenes and, um, but, you know, you'd try and ring because it was like you'd, you'd get cabin fever and you'd ring and no one would pick up and no one would pick up for like hours and you were just like, oh, my God, they're testing me. Like this is a test. It's all part <laughs> of the how can I survive in this hotel room for eight hours without going outside. Um, but, yeah, look, I remember that I think it might have been about, I think it was a week and I think by the Thursday I was once again sitting in front of a panel of people, you know, Stephen Peters and the other producers and stuff, and Stephen said to me, we're really interested in you, we're just worried about your television experience because we think you're going to, we don't, well, we're not sure if you're going to be distracted by it. And I just remember saying, I'm not going to be distracted by it. In fact, it's an advantage because I know exactly what you guys are doing. I know when we go out there and we've got crews everywhere and you make us walk into camp four times, I'm going to know what that's all about. I'm not going to be distracted, you know. Um, And yeah, so we just sort of, it just sort of floated and that was the moment. Obviously, when when he said that, and then they rang me about a week later, and they just said you were a shoe in from the start. So, which was lovely.
2: Do you think that was a big advantage? I know myself; I'm a massive fan of Survivor. I've watched it from day one. But until you actually get cast on a show, and you are out there on the island or wherever they're shooting it, and you just see the you see all the stuff behind the camera. So you see, you know people everywhere the cameras you know it's just it, it can get overwhelming and like you said obviously you were going into it fully aware of that goes on in a production but even massive fans of this show unless they get on the show i don't think they can truly prepare themselves for what they're going to encounter
0: yeah that's true absolutely i mean it's you know it is my you know My sort of experiences once we got out there were there were a couple of interesting experiences of just interference that weren't overt acts of interference. Like I think, you know, they're trying to make a show and there'd be things like I remember the first day we were there and we're trying to light a fire with sticks and we've only got, you know, this cloud passing over us and there's only a limited amount of sun. And next thing they're coming in and they're going, guys, we've got to go and shoot promo shots. And I remember standing up and saying, if we don't get this fire started because of these bloody, you know, Promo shoot, it's going to be your fault. <laughs> you know, like, um, so there were things like that, you know, that, that you had, there were these expectations of you. Um, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead if you've got earlier questions, but there's also a very interesting thing about the first vote that was very much about, um, I mean, do you want me to go into it now or? We'll
2: we, 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 will, we will get to the first vote because we, we've got yeah. a lot to talk about that. Let, let's go back to, you've been selected, you're now on the plane heading to... Whalers Way, Port Lincoln. Did what were your thoughts about the location?
0: Uh, my first thoughts when they made us take the blindfolds off and walked out on the of the bus, I went, and oh, gee, this isn't going to photograph very well <laughs> it was so arid. I mean, there was that beautiful coastline that you know, which is so amazing, but it was, I mean, it was really not picturesque, and it really wasn't. I mean, there's not. It's just same, same. It was like being in a desert, really. I mean, it was low lying shrub, and it was just dusty and dirty, and yeah, and and the beach and the, and the water was just like off a cliff, and you know, it was just yeah. I mean, look, like it was. I won't say I wasn't, dis- you know, that I wasn't disappointed that we weren't in Broome. I thought if we're going to stay in Australia, let's go up to bloody Broome or the Kimberleys or something like that, you know. But um, wasn't meant to be.
2: So when you, when you left to go on a show, were you thinking it was going to be overseas? Like, did you pack your clothes thinking it might be in, you know, Vanuatu, Fiji, or who knows, maybe even in Africa or something? But when did you realise, oh, we're not, we're not even leaving Australia?
0: Well, they flew us, um, and we all had fake names, which was funny. What um, was yours? But they flew us. My, you, my you... fake name was... I, rem- I mean, I remember this stuff, which is a bit like, oh, my God, am I... Honestly obsessed, I probably am. My name was Belinda Penning.
1: Belinda Penning. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah,
0: Belinda Penning. You like that? Like, I, I probably should use it as an alias if I ever needed to. I reckon you um, should. Anyway, yeah, Belinda Penning. Yeah.
2: Mm. So I, I need to find out. Sorry, I need to find out. We need to find out what everyone's fake name was. Now I want
1: to know what David Haas's fake name was. Yeah, probably David Haas.
0: <laughs> probably Dave. Dave that Haas.
1: is his fake name. That's not actually him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sylvan might have a fake name at that. Um, oh,
1: Sylvan has many fake <laughs> names.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so they... Yeah, I, we, we, I flew out from Sydney and I flew to Adelaide. And then it was like, oh, Adelaide, why are we in Adelaide? And then... <laughs> And then I thought, oh, maybe we're going up to NT or something like that. And then, um, yeah, they picked us up. And unlike David and Sylvan, who didn't eat anything the night before, I like totally smashed room service, like steak, everything, carbs, pasta, <laughs> just to you know make sure I had food in my belly. Um, and then, yeah, so we, yeah, we, they put us on a on a small plane, a charter plane, and and then yeah, it was like an hour and a half, not even not even an hour flight, and it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So yeah, at that point it was kinda of like, okay, this is not very far. Um but yeah, I thought we were I thought if anything if we were staying in Australia, maybe we were gonna go where they shot the Australian outback, you
1: know. Did you even bring your passports? Did they ask you to bring your passports?
0: I don't remember. I'm not sure. I can't I mean look I yeah, I don't recall. Um Yeah, maybe they did. But, no, I mean, there was a lot of scrutiny. And, actually, one other thing which was quite funny and just leaning back to the whole experience of working in TV thing was is that we did all obviously get contracts that we had to sign and I took mine to an entertainment lawyer, which nobody else did, you know. And it was that funny thing. They were ringing, the production office was ringing me saying, Deb, where's your contract? Come on, you can't actually officially go on the show until you get it. And it's like, guys, I'm not just signing that thing like I know that I'm pretty much signing my life away but I just want someone to look at it and then when I submitted it they said yeah you were the only one that got it checked (laughs) wow
2: (laughs) did did you make you didn't get them to make any changes to the contract at all. I
0: did actually I got them to make one change so I was the kung fu school that I um that I train at I was teaching and I was also doing a little bit of the odd advertising or press for it or whatever and I didn't want my I said that's got to be excluded you know like because what also happened to all of us is we all got representation afterwards so we were given an agent so there was this whole kind of idea that some some people may end up going on to doing other things um which a few people did you know and i I actually did i got offered a couple of interesting things not offered but auditioned for some stuff post the show um so we had to yeah it was it was just protecting myself from that so if i ended up getting any you know any jobs in television post that like presenting or whatever um the kung fu school was sort of excluded yeah
1: did belinda penning get any um auditions afterwards as, as well
0: no no belinda penning disappeared after that i don't know where oh. she is maybe somewhere dark i don't know
1: damn in sylvan's <laughs> fantasy world perhaps
0: maybe in sylvan's fantasy world yeah
2: it, it's funny though deb because i know in my tribe there was a uh, a member i won't say their name it's up to them when we eventually interview them but uh they did the same as you. They they got their contract checked out and actually got a slight change made to their contract. But uh, I think the, the rest of us were just like, well, you know, if they want us on the show, we want to be on it. So you just end yeah. up, I mean, there's so much stuff. You just end up signing it and saying, yep, I'm happy to go on.
0: Yeah, uh, look. To be honest with you, I would have been happy. I would have signed it anyway. But I just think it's sort of like it is that sort of thing. Of you do, I know you know you become acutely aware that you're giving up a degree of your privacy, which nowadays is like a you know hello, we've all done it. Um, but it is sort of yeah. I think I was just, and I think this sort of lends back to just what I was saying before about coming across on the show as being very up and happy and go lucky, and but really thinking about stuff, and, and that's sort of part of that, I suppose.
1: And I guess that's the difference, too, about your season is that, you know, nowadays people are aware of where reality TV stands. They're aware that for the most part they might go on, get a few more hundred social media followers and, you know, get a bit of a cult following. Whereas back then, you legitimately, I'm sure some of you thought that there could be a a whole level of stardom. You didn't know how big this show was going to be because Survivor at that point was the number one television show in the world. And people out of Borneo and Australian Outback, they were bona fide A-list celebrities at that point.
0: Yeah, totally. And if you think about it, if you look back at, you know, in, in the archives of Australian reality television, there are still people today who are, you know, on radio, who are working. Um, you know, obviously none of us kind of hit those heights. But, um, yeah, no, that was definitely an avenue for identifying talent for screen and for radio and things like that. So, um, yeah, they took it very seriously. And we had meetings and there was a whole lot of, you know, stuff. It was It was kind of a bit crazy for a while.
2: When you think back, uh, you mentioned Big Brother before. I mean, that was all around that same era when it came out. And you look at Blair; he went on to be on Neighbours, and, and a few of them actually went on to some radio hosts and all sorts of things. So, you mentioned that you auditioned. Did you audition for like a TV show or some ads, or what? What were you sort of? What were you looking at that maybe you could get out of being on the show?
0: I wasn't personally looking for anything. I was quite happy to just go back to what I was doing. And it was just it was just actually part of the whole process. It was just one of those things. It was like, okay, well you you basically you go on the show, you finish the show and post the show, you're gonna be represented by this agency that we've selected for you and they will and I look I can't remember for sure maybe there was some mutual agreement with nine of Maybe there was a I don't know a royalty or some sort of kickback involved. I've got no idea. But I mean, look, it obviously didn't really go anywhere for anyone. I got offered I did an audition for a, a sort of a talk show like like literally like The View, um. And I did some auditions for that and with a whole bunch of you know people you know, and it was all women on panels talking about current affairs and stuff like that. Um. But that show was they were auditioning it pilot it didn't pilot and it didn't actually go anywhere. And the other thing I got a call about was to um, be in a boxing fight, like a professional boxing fight. Nice. Which is kind of cool.
1: <laughs> who wins? Um,
0: oh God, she was this woman in Queensland who was, I think she was like a, I don't know what belt she had. She was actually a professional boxer and she was organising a charity event and she said, oh, I've heard that you're, you know, martial arts background and I, I, boxed, I boxed as well. And she's like, you know, you want to come up and do it? And I'm like. Who am I boxing and I, and it was professional too, so it was not, not like amateur rules. It was like no head guards. It was like you know, a free for all. <laughs> I was wow. just like, no thanks, I'm out. Like I respect my brain too much for that. But yeah, um, but yeah, that came out through that as well, and that was it. It was pretty short lived. <laughs>
1: I, I was going to say that talk show you mentioned it was all all female. I was, was going to ask was Ben Dark involved because again, we're trying to we're still trying to track him down. So I mean, he might have been you know floating around back yeah, right.
0: then. <laughs> No, and there was no Bender. I can't remember. There was one woman, or I think she's still on TV now, is a, she just sort of does bits and pieces for SBS. But, um, yeah, no, nah, it was a very fleeting period. Craig, um, God, I think Craig ended up doing some uh, an equivalent of a getaway, but I think it was, for, it was a smaller kind of version of it. And I ended up helping him edit a video together for him to sort of promote himself and stuff like that. And I think he got on that show for a little while. But other than that, yeah, everybody sort of just, you know, went back to their regular lives.
2: I'll bring you back to, to the game and, and day one. What was your first impressions of your tribe?
0: Um, Sorry, I'm sipping my rosé as we speak. <laughs> um, <laughs> no sipping away. Sipping um, away. I, gosh, I, it's so funny the details you remember and you don't remember. I, I sort of... I mean, that first day was funny because, you know, we all got off the bus and I think before we even announced the first challenge, they were taking photos and doing all of that sort of stuff and then we got going and, um, yeah, look, it was, I think I felt pretty good about everyone. Um, I mean, look, you know, I think, yeah, no, everyone was pretty good. I mean, Craig sort of, it's very interesting about, you know, Craig, he was very much a leader and, and, and he was the go-to guy. Um, right from the outset and that was very clear um yeah he's the one I remember the most Is and I think it was because he put his hand up to go down and down and pick up that whatever it was the map to the wherever the camp was um but yeah no look it, we we all just got along really really well and yeah no just like just generally a good vibe there's a lot of nerves going on you know there's a lot of it, nervous energy and you know just trying to get to know each you know trying to get a gauge on everybody and stuff like that but yeah, no, I, I remember Craig. I remember Craig being very assured and quiet and just, yeah, I'll do it. I'll go. And, yeah.
1: The thing we're learning a lot from Kadena through through David, through Lucinda, um, th- through Jenny, uh, from what she told us about Tim, is that Alliance did seem to be a bit of a dirty word. Now, can can you give us your perspective of how this all played out and, and was Alliance really a, a dirty word on Kadena? <laughs>
0: Um, it, it, yeah, it was a little bit. And I think that whole, like I remember the first few days we were there, we didn't have any fire, we, we didn't have any food, um, we couldn't cook food. And and so, you know, that first night, like I remember we were all just sitting around in the freezing cold and we were kind of bonding over this fact that we were going through this hardship. And, you know, I remember sitting there with Tim in the middle of the night and we were just chatting about stuff and, um, you know, and it was all very much just about, experiences and getting to know each other and stuff like that. And, yeah, it was really weird with the way things panned out for Kadena because, you know, you watched how Tapara kind of evolved and, you know, theoretically there were three people on that tribe that were actually strategizing and that was Rob, Katie and Shona. And everybody else was just kind of doing their thing. And on Kadena it was very much a bit like that except on Kadena I think there was things were happening without us even realising they were happening. So that bond between the five 20-year-olds was... It just naturally happened by osmosis, you know, and it wasn't necessarily the right thing and the right idea and you go back and think of hindsight and you just go, that was just stupid, we should have played better. Um, but, yeah, there was just things that naturally occurred. Um, you know, Lucinda was, I think, unfortunately always on the outs, as was Dave, you know. Like, he got sick that first day and if... Lucinda hadn't put her hand up. You know, there was a pretty strong chance that we might have voted out Dave, I think. But there weren't a lot of discussions. You know, there was, I remember we would go out, like, I remember early days, Sylvan and I went out to just out around near the camp, and the producers were following, you know, the little crew was following us, and they're going, What are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? And it's like, Oh, not much. We're just working out where the best place to put the toilet is. And, you <laughs> know, like, it wasn't, there just wasn't, it's just not like it is now. You know, it, it was just a totally different kind of era and we were all out there going oh my god this is hard we're cold we're freezing oh let's all be great mates you know.
2: Do, do you feel that Lucinda, Tim and David do you, do you think looking back now that they would have felt on the outs simply because they weren't in their 20s?
0: Um, look I think it was really interesting what Jenny said about how Lucinda by sacrificing herself did kind of line Tim up for, for what happened to Tim. Um, and, yeah, look, it is it, – it it did sort of happen that way, I think. It just naturally – there was a natural division, you know, five and three. Like it was just it, – it and it's unfortunate and it is something that – it's one of the things I think about and go, God – and, I, you know, as I said on the show and as I still think, we didn't get that balance right. You know, we should have had a Lance in there. We should have had a Rob in there. We should have mixed it up because it, it was – yeah, I mean, and not, I mean, we're really in our – Late twenties, I think Naomi's a couple of years younger than me. But I mean, I was twenty six at the time. So, yeah, we were all just around the same age. We'd had all the same kind of life experience, and just naturally, we all gravitated to each other.
1: Did um in listening to the David interview, did it surprise you that uh, you know he happened to have a a lighter to to do a, a fire, as well as I uh, getting a few pills from Sylvan in the uh, corner.
0: <laughs> the pills from Sylvan, I'm not sure about that. I've I have this vague recollection that Sylvan had been given Panadol for some reason because they did, you know. I mean, they didn't give us medication unless we needed it. They gave us a multivitamin every day. Um, I'm not sure about that, and I remember this vague recollection of someone talking about a lighter in their possession. But I don't, but then Dave said he didn't say anything about it. So yeah, once again, these vague recollections. Sylvan having, I'm pretty sure it was Panadol. Like, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. just, just remembering from our Lucinda interview, she actually did mention that um, that in the the first couple of days that they they were handing out Panadol for people that were having like coffee withdrawals and stuff. And she actually she had done the hard work by getting off that months earlier. So so she went into the game not having withdrawals, and she was actually a little bit annoyed that people were getting given Panadol just to get off because they were getting headaches from their addiction. So I don't I don't think it's a secret now, the fact that there definitely was some Panadol getting handed out in those first couple of days and it just happened that Sylvan must have had a little bit of an extra stash in his pocket and was um, was was helping getting those Panadols out to people.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, we didn't have a lot, yeah, obviously. I mean, I remember and I think... I don't know if they ever used it. I don't think they did. I mean, you can, can tell me if I'm wrong, but... Sylvan got a blood nose one day and I gave him a tampon and he shoved it up his nose. <laughs> so, you know, like it's the it's sort of, you know, you just work for what you got, you know. We were brushing our teeth with bloody seaweed and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Like you you just sort of, you know, scraping rock salt off rocks down at the, you know, at the coast, you know, just doing anything we could. I mean, it I, you know, because we don't see as much of it now on, say, for example, the Australian Survivor of Ten's version, we don't see the degree of food that they're given and all that sort of stuff. Man, we were given barely nothing. And apparently – and at one point they had to stock us up because they based it on prisoner of war rations in terms of the rice amounts. We were also not getting access to the coast and only every second day, right? So we didn't have the opportunity to try and fish every day. We were more successful getting crabs than we were getting fish. Um, you know but we were only getting access to that water every second day you know so there's there's and, and there's another thing where the crew and not like, I'm not blaming the crew but the other thing where there was difficulties is that so our camp was sort of you know it Way ways a private property there were a lot of dirt roads around and Kadina had ch- we chose because we won that first challenge to go closer to the water because water is more important like the drinking water um, and Tapara were further down this road we didn't know where their camp was but our camp Actually, was you could have if you paid a lot of attention, I reckon you could have seen it from the road, and you had to walk past that road to get to the fresh water, and we had to go past to Paris, um camp, which was a little hard. I don't know where it was to get to the water to get to the coast, and if we all of a sudden we said let's go and get water, the crew would turn around and go, oh no, you can't go just yet. And it's like, well, why not? It's like, no, no, you can't go just yet. And we couldn't go because Tapara was on the road heading off in the other direction, so we couldn't cross each other, you know. So there's all this sort of stuff that kind of, you know, goes into it, the the logistics of it that kind of also, for me, just got in the way sometimes, you know, of just letting the flow, the game flow naturally. And just what I was saying earlier about, you know, just with, with the involvement of producers and stuff was that when we lost the first challenge, immunity challenge, and we we're deciding who to vote out, we had to come up with this idea of, well, let's do a tribal council now before we go to tribal council and, like, actually write names down and just pull them out of a, you know, whatever and just say, okay, it's so-and-so. And I remember, I think it was they had to call the big boys in and Stephen Peters came down and he's like, guys, you can't do that. And we're like, well, why not? And they're like, no, no, you can't do that. You cannot make your votes until you go to tribal council. And then I think I had said to them, well, you're actually interfering with the game because if, we do it now, and Lucinda knows that she's going. I mean, this was before she put her hand up. Um, she might turn around and start fighting back. She might turn around and start playing, you know. So there's just stuff like that, and that's, that, that is absolutely no slight on that production team and what they were, what they were doing. I think it was early days of the, the whole franchise, so they were just doing what they could do best, and the minute they heard that we were going to have a tribal council before tribal council, they're like, no, 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 no you can't do that. You're messing with the rules. It's like we're not messing with the rules. We're playing the game, you know. But anyway, one thing
2: that we definitely have learned from from doing all these recaps and 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 speaking to former contestants is that there was no real blueprint for it. I know that there'd already been two American seasons, and and uh, season three Africa was actually um, being aired a, a few episodes prior to you guys going out there. But uh, from what we've sort of learnt is that they they were almost making things up as they went so like little things like what you just mentioned then they wouldn't have known like they would have been thinking well is this a good thing is it a bad thing i mean the more the more seasons i guess they do and channel 10 have really you can see where channel 10 by they're up to their fifth season so they're learning from their previous mistakes where Mm -hmm. where yeah this was the first ever australian season so it would have been hard for production to to know what they can do and cannot do
0: Absolutely, which is why I don't sort of, you know, I look back at it now in retrospect and go, that wasn't a good call, that wasn't a good call, why didn't they do a tribe swap when Kadena was being annihilated, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, it was making it up as they went along and ironically, I looked at the, when I watched the first season of Channel 10's iteration, it was very similar, it was that whole mateship and that very simple gameplay You know, you had a couple of people in there like Nick who were actually out there trying to play Modern Survivor and they were just being called snakes when really he was actually playing. And now you watch Nick on All Stars and he's just like, he's just blending right in. I mean, it's his, you know, he's out in his wheelhouse now. You know, it's sort of, it is about the evolution of the game. And, 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 you know, like you say a lot, Ben, you can't watch it through the same lens. You know, it's a different era and it, And, you know, that's kind of what's cool about it. It's kind of like you lay the path for what, you know, how the game evolves and it has evolved over time.
1: Which I I find it very fascinating going back and watching it now. And this is what I think we're trying to really be advocates for on this show is for people to go back and watch your season and give it a second look because so many people just have a negative thought on your season. It was crap. I'm never going to watch that again. And I've admitted it on the show. I was one of those people for a long time. But it is Mm. just such a unique part of history to, to witness, because if you're going back and watching Borneo, Australian Outback, it's played on a very similar level. So if someone like yourself, who was obviously a big fan going into that, it, it must, it has it that unique perspective, because you've got nothing else really to base it on other than the two US ones you've watched. So it's all well and good for people today to say, well, well no one was playing, no one was scheming, no one was doing that. Well, that's just how the game was played back in 2002.
0: Yeah, and it's funny, like if I reflect upon my own game, I have a couple of regrets about, you know, things I wish I had done and, and but but generally I just feel like I didn't get the opportunity to start playing properly and that's my own fault. I should have started to play earlier but I knew what was going on. I knew where the dynamics were. I knew who was with who. who. I knew, you know, it was interesting, Tim gave me a vote in the second, uh, in his episode when he got booted out and, I mean, you know it uh, Tim, and we talked a lot afterwards when we were both out in Port Lincoln and stuff and Tim's Tim was an amazing man and you know um, it was so lovely to hear Jenny speak about him and you guys give him so much um, you know time because he he was a really lovely guy. There was something about Tim and I out there. we didn't gel, you know I think he and that's I, which is why I wasn't surprised when he voted gave me a vote. I think I I don't know what it was about how he felt about me but I could tell he wasn't sure about me. I think he was probably more sure about Naomi and Karen because they were a lot, probably a lot quieter and a lot more sort of, I, I don't know. I think there was an undercurrent, I, I would hope, I mean, this is my own perception, that there was, I, I think he could sense that there was a bit more going on with me and for some reason, I don't know, maybe it was a personality thing and so when I got that vote and I knew it was him, and he came up to, you know, he said to me later in Port Lincoln, I'm so sorry I voted for you. And I said, yeah, me too. You know, like, um, yeah, we sat there and we drank beer and went, oh, my God, what the hell did we do? Um, but, yeah, and that's the thing, you know, you just sort of and, – and for me, I was just like, I just want to get in there and I just want to seep in, start looking around at what's going on, and then, you know, and then eventually we'll start to start doing stuff. And, 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 and that was too slow you know, that we didn't have time for that, especially with Kadena because we just got wiped out. Um, But, you know, it was interesting when Dave mentioned about how he spoke to me and it's funny, like I I think I did after we got out say to him, oh, maybe I should have gone with Dave. But when I think about it instinctively, I had nowhere to go with Dave. We didn't have the numbers. So, and that's what I was saying before just about the way things just, there was just people gravitating towards each other. There was a lot unsaid um and you know those that was one of them like with dave i just knew not this isn't going to happen because dave unfortunately is not blending with us he's not he's not on the same i mean he was totally playing and he totally had the right idea and you know and that's the thing he's absolutely right if i was 10 years older playing back then i probably would have gone with him you know what i mean like it's there's about there's something about age and experience that that core five were all lacking
2: one thing that I thought was fascinating that David said in his interview was the fact that he was only 34 when he played but even just that you know 6 to 8 year age difference between him and the rest of the the famous 5 he said it was it was it was just enough for him not to be able to quite connect with, I guess on 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 that level that the famous 5 were all connecting in and, and and that's true I think I think David's a very eccentric bloke and 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 he won't, yeah, you know, I think we can all admit that he would admit that, and that's why he got on the show, but it, even that slight age difference can can really just I guess hurt your game, and I got no doubt that Lucinda and tim they they were in a bad position. they come into that game, you've got five people in your twenties, I think they would have been you know right from day one, they would have realized this is going to take a lot for us to stay around where. Even in the modern day survivor, now you know on my season, straight away I knew I was on the outs because there was a group of people that were all very similar, you know, in in their interests outside the game, and that's all it takes. If if you gravitate to someone straight away, you were gonna you were gonna go with that person, you were gonna align with that person, because at the end of the day, you want to be around people that you can have conversations with outside of the game you know not necessarily about how you're going to play the mm. game you you want to be around people that you get along with and i guess for kadena it was happened to be that the the younger ones had a lot more in common
0: yeah and look and that's a subtlety that is really hard to put on screen do you know what i mean like and i think that's that when you read between the lines even now like you know you're watching all stars and it's like these people have all got relationships have all developed friendships outside of the show that we're not delving into right now or we don't know enough about or whatever. And there's a subtlety in that, in about that ingrained kind of connection that you, you, unless someone spells it out, it's not something that can be easily built into the narrative of the show or edited into the show. So it becomes clearer. I mean, sometimes it's really overt and it can be, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting and you're totally right. I mean, Matt, it's, it is, there's something, sometimes you just can't avoid it. It just happens. You know, Um, if I look at, what happened with the five, like we, I I was natural. Sylvan and I were best mates out there and and it's sort of, and like, you know, and I remember Sylvan rang me once when the show was airing and he was so upset with me because I think I'd made that comment about he just sits around and doesn't do anything, can't even boil the water or whatever. <laughs>
2: great <then> confessional that- <laughs> mind, you great confessional. We loved it. We loved it.
0: it- and he rang me, he was at the pub, and he was so upset. And he's like, I can't believe you saying all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry, but it was true. Like, you know, and you've got to just <laughs> get out there and run with it, you know. But the thing was, and in all honesty, and I'm not just saying this, it's really true, Sylvan was a physical presence. He was strong in challenges. Our last reward challenge, the last one we won is Kadena, the one where he had to run out into the water and pick up all the stuff before we got the lobster pot. Sylvan was... Way ahead of any of us. Even Craig, he was well ahead. He was great in the water. He was, you know, and he he could switch. You know, he switched into game. He switched into go mode, I would call it. And I know that he has been cast as the character who really didn't want to be there. I don't en- entirely think that was always true. I think he definitely physically and mentally suffered a lot with the experience, but there were a lot of times where he was well and truly engaged. You know, he wasn't just out there, you know, in his fantasy world.
1: Well, it's fascinating to hear that because I think, um, you know, at the point where obviously, you know, we're speaking to you a week after covering your, your boot episode and a lot of what has been said at this point in the show is about Sylvan's physical presence. And I don't really think it was shown a lot, kind of just how much he contributed to Kadena on that physical side because I know Matt and I sort of have talked a little bit heading into next week's episode about that last challenge kind of you know he was chosen over Craig but it's it's interesting to hear just how much revered he was as a physical threat because I don't really think it's shown that much on the show
0: no but th- that's what happens sometimes you know and that's the thing you got to think about all the thousands of hours that they shoot and how, how are they going to craft the narrative and how are they going to push the storylines forward and all that sort of stuff and I think Sylvan got edited and produced as the guy that didn't really want to be there and Look, I'm not denying that he definitely had his moments and, of course, he had his moments because they ended up on screen. But there were so many moments with him that were not about that and he was not that guy, you know. And, um, you know, of all the people from the show, he and I are still in touch and he's the only one I'm still really in touch with. I'm on Facebook with Naomi and Karen and, and you know, that's really it. But, you know, we have the odd occasional communication. But Sylvan and I both follow NRL and we're constantly on each other with Manly and South's conversations and you know.
1: You made South, Matt happy. Please. Are you yeah. are you the South fan Deb?
0: Of course I am. Excellent
2: <laughs> oh, I love
1: you even more. Oh. I'll, I'll yeah, just sit mate, here South. and follow the sharks in silence and look at our Yeah, well you need to days.
0: this week, I don't think they're gonna do very well.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually did like the reference of All Stars last week when uh, when Michelle said mentioned yeah, about the Burgess is. brothers. I... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know, I thought, oh my God, that's random, but she's such a Sydney girl, that Michelle, so it's not surprising. Yeah. You know? yeah it's,
1: it's funny, I, I love hearing this sort of, you know, relationship that you have, obviously, with, with Sylvan in and outside of the game, and again, like, you know, we had you both on the Oz Network, it was a lot of fun, but... I mean, I can't not ask you about his fantasy world, Deb. I mean, like how, how many how many hours does he entrap you into this amazing fantasy world where, you know, you can eat whatever you want for breakfast, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> it's just, I mean, this is the most amazing thing ever, right? Sylvan's fantasy world.
0: Yeah, we spoke – we talked a lot about food. I mean, food was a huge preoccupation. And I think I, I got off track before talking about the food situation, but we were very well-nourished and not eating a lot and – you know, we. I just think they get fed a lot more now. You know, especially if they got to do fifty days. But we were just food was a huge thing. I mean, the other thing we had accessible to us out there was a a native plant. It was like a little flower bud. I can't remember what it was called, but you used to be able to rip it off and just pinch the end of it and eat the tip of it. Had a name, I can't remember what it is. But yeah, we were, it, it was a huge topic of conversation. And we were so sensitive to smells as well. Like I always remember there was one of our field producers came into camp one day. She just came in, and we we're all just standing there. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, we can smell strawberries. Who's got strawberries? We can smell strawberries. And we we're all just going feral over the strawberries. And Kate had strawberry lip balm on. And, she, <laughs> and we could all smell you know, and she felt so bad, and so she—I think she went off and took it off or whatever. Because we were all just like, Strawberry, strawberries, it's not strawberries, strawberries. Some planted <laughs> something, plant. something in here, you know. Like. Give us a kiss.
1: We want—we want to taste strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um, and so, yeah, in Sylvan's fantasy world, was just this lovely kind of you know sitting around, not with much energy, just talking about our favourite topic for all of us, which was food. You know. So yeah.
2: What was worse, the the hunger or the or how cold it was?
0: Um, for me, it was the, I think, actually, the hunger wasn't too bad. It was probably the cold and the sleeping situation. It was hard to sleep, but it got better. You kind of got used to it.
2: Well, there's no doubt. Like, the, the campsites on your season were terrible. Like, it, how you guys survived out there as long as you did. They surely could have done a little bit better to help you guys sleep at night. They were, They were terrible campsites.
0: Well, they were shocking, and like there were snakes everywhere as well, and that was the thing. Like after you kind of get after that, you get booted out. Uh, you know, I spoke to some of the crew and stuff, and they were like, there were snakes in there all the time. Brown, like we knew one snake that was right out the front, sort of near the road. But yeah, it was it was just it was dangerous. <laughs> it was it was um, yeah, it was just bare bones. And I think at one point we ripped out a whole rosemary wild rosemary bush and lay it on the bottom of our our piece of dirt and our shelter just to kind of have something to kind of give us some softness or something like that yeah it was I mean it was yeah I just don't think you know like I just don't think anything compares to it now and I think it's something that only those really original early seasons of the show can attest to having gone through from a physical like from the food and from the shelter situation I mean it was just terrible (laughs) You mentioned the
1: sleeping situations. I mean, I, we've, of course, written down a few of your um, pearls of some confessionals and some moments, Deb, but we'll get to. But one of the, the more fun ones was a conversation having with the whole crew about that if you guys were sleeping naked, you would basically be accidentally having sex. Um, I mean, look, I don't want to go into details of all of this, but, I mean, do you do you watch that a couple of months later after you filmed it? God, oh, shit, did I really say things like that? What's happening? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think it's funny what you end up saying out there because you do become very um, tactile with each other, you know, because you've just got to try and stay warm and stuff like that. So, yeah, you, we all just became very close. I remember actually. I've got a, I'll send you guys a photo of it. I've got a framed, um, like some, it's a buff everyone signed, and on the buff, um, Craig had signed, "Your farts smell like wild rosemary." <laughs> <laughs> That's how close we all got, you know. It's sort of, wow. yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. We'll flip I over the thing should... in Southeast Asia, you know, and you just go through all those periods of your, your bowels are doing funny things. It was just <laughs> like that all time um, because that was the other thing we talked about a lot was what your body was doing, you know, with no food in your system. Well, I remember and, that yeah. on
1: the Oz Network, you and Sylvan having that great conversation about not being able to poo. That was, uh, I think, that made our best of <laughs> that year actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway
1: what about the tapara tribe we saw
2: early on there was always there was that narrative about jeff and off at at um challenges he was yelling a lot of stuff out and there was definitely people in your tribe that were sort of a you know annoyed with jeff sort of rubbing it in that he that that tapara were constantly beating you guys What, what what did you think about the tapara tribe in general and especially jeff
0: Oh, Jeff, I mean, look, the rest of Tapara were fantastic, like in terms of their competitiveness and their sportsman sports, sportsmanship. Um, but, yeah, Jeff was a buddy, you know, when we were, he was just a pain in the ass. And I think, in, like, lovely guy, but in terms of his heckling and all of that sort of stuff, it was really annoying. Um, and, yeah, and, and that's also just an, a, a sort of another adage of younger age where it just really got to us, you know, and I think if we were a bit older or a few of us were a bit older, it might not have been so... Affecting, you know and 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 good on jeff for recognizing that because he just went for it um in terms of the rest of the the the, i mean i think when i made that comparison about i wish we had some older heads on our tribe if you looked at the spread of tapara they were much more evenly balanced in terms of ages and i think that worked in their favor you know tenfold because physically we were you know on par if not stronger i'd say in some respects um but they just had the mental game a little more. They were just more mentally prepared. I mean, you know, Shona, Rock, you know, she's unmovable. You know, people like her and Rob, obviously, and Katie, you know, like they they had their heads screwed on right from the start.
1: Which a lot of it too in the challenges, particularly with someone like Katie, I mean, she's obviously a professional athlete, so she's used to, I guess, that mental edge, and Mm. she's really – Positive and spurring everyone on, and kind of really giving people that edge. Where there were some challenges there with Kadina, where it just it just didn't seem to be there. I mean, things like that clearly seemed to give to Para the edge.
0: Oh, totally, and I, you know, and absolutely, and it wasn't just Katie. Like Rob was a professional athlete as well, and you know, we we've seen now how AFL athletes physically are so they're so great for Survivor. You know, they've got the bodies and the makeup physically that really lends itself to it. Um, you know, so they really had two players that had that capacity and had played in teams and knew that sort of way forward that no none of us in Kadena had you know um you know we all sort of took on it we all you know obviously some of us were more athletic than others but we had like more individual pursuits that were very as opposed to group minded sort of things so you know we always tried our hardest and we you know we obviously did well in rewards and stuff like that but we just I don't know, we just couldn't get it together. We just could not get it together when it came to the immunities. And no matter how much we pep-talked ourselves and how much we sort of just tried to get there, I mean, there were obviously a few close ones, but, yeah, we just just couldn't do it.
1: The, the one immunity you did win, of course, involved a car that it came down to you and Sylvan, essentially, uh, pressing a button. Uh, and then, of course, famously, Sylvan didn't drive um how how is that feeling coming down to the final two they're thinking oh come on he can't oh, win this
0: so, I yeah i couldn't believe it and in fact i actually knew he'd won it because i had a close look at the fob when it when they, we were unwrapping and all the rest of us all our fobs were the same and they looked a bit fake and i mean i didn't notice it until we kind of came right down to him and he unwrapped it and I, I took a glance at it before he pressed the button. Actually, I think I had to tell him which button to press, and I went, that's the fob. like." And that's the funny thing, too, because Sylvan doesn't drive, so he would have had no idea. <laughs> like, well, he know? did.
1: yeah, he was. He was like, oh, no, I don't even know which button to press.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the other fobs were like alarm fobs or something, whereas that was definitely a car fob, you know. Um, it was disappointing, eh, because it was like I got the boot the next episode, and if I'd gone away with a car, at least it would have been something. But, um, yeah, no, look, I was happy for him. He's, you know, as I said, he's a good bloke and good mate and – yeah,
1: that night, of course, you you get the night off though because you I mean you'd what lost three in a row. I mean, mm-hmm. finally, just have one night off, uh and we saw a lot. I think Karen talked a lot in one of her confessionals about how it was just great. And but I mean, that must have been you know an amazing night to actually just relax and just take your mind off things for one night.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no totally, absolutely, and you know, and it is. It's just sort of it, you. You just sort of you forget those moments, but it was you know the details of those moments, but. You know, imagine if we'd ended up with a season where it was much more even and it was a bit more tit-for-tat in terms of the tribal kind of balance and, you know, it just would have made, obviously, for much better television, but it, it just would have made it all. I think, you know, once you have got a taste for it, like we might have – I mean, that challenge was very different because it was such an individual challenge, really um, – but, uh, you know, it was, yeah, it would have been great to sort of even up as best we, you know, as if we could have. But, yeah, no, it was, it was good. And the moments, the good moments were great, you know. And I, you know, personally, physically, I wasn't struggling that much out there. I was actually in pretty good shape I, I, in terms of, like, I came in there, you know, I'm, I've never been a stick figure in my life. And I sort of came in there with my body sort of ready to lose some, I could easily afford to lose weight, you know, for one of a better term. And, um, so I was actually firing and I was so, I was fine out there, really fine. So, you know, that just, that's another thing, you know, getting the boot when I did was just like, I'm not ready to go. And I was actually physically, mentally doing really well.
2: There was that scene where you talk about being on the Jenny Craig fish and rice diet (laughs) and it (laughs) it definitely looked like you had lost some weight because you, you can see you you pull your shorts sort of out and you can see there's a gap. Uh, Do you remember how much weight you did lose in the time you were there?
0: Look, I think – I can't remember the exact number. I do remember that when I got booted out, I put a pair of jeans on the next day and they literally fell off my hips. <laughs> and I think – and then we had to go shopping in Port Lincoln at Just Jeans to go and buy some new clothes. And um, I ended up – I think I must have dropped two, two sizes or something like that in 15 days, which, you know, it's quite a fair amount. So, um, yeah, I can't remember. It might have been like eight kilos or something like that.
2: And you said that mentally, physically, you're doing well, but, of course, you do end up injuring your ankle. Unfortunately, Mm. it wasn't seen on camera, but it was when you and Craig, well, I believe it happened when you and Craig were were going down to put the lobster trap out. We'd love to know what actually happened and and how did you you do it?
0: Well, unfortunately, I've got um, tiny little what I like to call Asian ankles, a little Asian feet. I'm half Australian, but I have got Asian heritage. And my ankles are problematic. So I actually rolled my ankle on day four, um, just before the second immunity challenge. I remember walking out towards it. It was those drums and we had to pull all the things out. And I rolled it. And it it sort of curved out in front of me. And it was small, like I felt it and I went, oh, God, and I just covered up for it very quickly and I didn't tell anyone I did it. And so it was already a little bit unstable and I – but I – not to the point of wanting to talk to anyone about it. I just thought, okay, just push through, it'll be fine. And then, yeah, what happened is Craig and I went to drop the lobster pot off and there is a section of when we get – to get down to the water where you've got a rope climb to get back up. And just when we were wanking our way up to that, I think the crew had gone up or maybe I think they know they were definitely not there they'd gone up first obviously so they could shoot us coming up if they wanted and just as we were walking up I rolled it again and I rolled it so severely I fell over and Craig was there so it was sort of like I couldn't hide it and I was you know it was quite painful um and look I bloody rolled my ankle the other day (laughs) so bloody thing still plays up but um yeah so I, I yeah I rolled it and then we went back to camp and they called medical and medical strapped it up. And this is the other thing I remember. I remember waking up the next day and my ankle was, I was in so much pain and and I was just freaking out going, oh my God, oh my God, what is this? And I thought I had a broken it or something like that. And I was losing circulation in my, in my toes. And what I realized is that the, the medical guy had wrapped it with a compression bandage and he'd wrapped it so tight that I was losing circulation. So just before the challenge, I unwrapped it and I felt so much better. Like, it felt so much better. So I was just sort of like maybe with the combination of a bit of rest and compression it helped it. But once I took the bandage off, I was like, oh, my God, this is fine. Like, I'll be right, you know. Um, yeah, so, look, that's what happened. And, yeah, they didn't get it on camera. But it was really, yeah, it was terrible <laughs> for me. Well, yeah.
1: It- The the obstacle course, of course, the obstacle course, of course, I sound like I'm watching Mr. Red or something like that, Um, we'll get you to sing the Mr. Red theme among all the other things we'll get you to sing soon, (laughs) but um, that came across and then clearly they sort of, they they cut to you and they're kind of, you know, you've got that sort of despondent look on your face thinking, shit, this isn't going to go well, but from what we could see, you actually didn't seem to struggle in that as as much as it seemed to be that they were painting a picture and you actually ended up quite close to par at the end of that challenge.
0: Yeah, we were really close, and I was I, w- I was listening to your podcast the other day for the last week's app, uh, for my boot episode. I was walking my dogs around Centennial Park, and I'm you know, and then I heard you say, "I think they lost it on the second obstacle when they didn't all go across together." And I'm like, "Yes, that's exactly what happened." <laughs> you know, like, so what happened, right? So we'd made, we decided that okay, we'll go across that's that sort of walky ropey thing one at a time, and that was Craig's decision, right? So that was Craig's call to do it that way, which is why, and I'd forgotten that he put the bloody boot in me afterwards in the confessional, but that's totally what happened. So we, were, we went across the first, we were level. We start going across that obstacle one at a time. Taparo goes across all together. And I think at one point we're all yelling, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like let's just go together, you know, because that's where they got ahead of us. I think we caught up again. And then the same thing happened. We just sort of, just bad strategy in terms of how to handle it. And you know, but that 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 second one was the key. If we'd gotten across together, we would have just we would have been right up there. And look, um, yeah, I, I stand by it to this day. I I was not gonna. I was gonna put a hundred percent into that 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 challenge. I wasn't. You know, it was what it was. Yes, my ankle my ankle was quite tender, but I was ready to go. And yeah.
1: And of course, the big push after that was from yourself and I think Sylvan as well talking about that, how Karen was actually the weakest member of the tribe, that you weren't the weakest member of the tribe. But then Craig clearly was on this page of Deb's weak. She's rolled her ankle. Let's get rid of her. Was there more Mm. fighting going on there? Like, was there any way that you could have swayed Naomi um, along? Because Naomi and Craig obviously were very tight, but could she have voted away from Craig?
0: Look, so I think for me personally, I have two, you know, apart from, well, I have an overall kind of way I wish I had gone and applied myself to playing earlier in terms of just how I played and keeping things a bit within myself before, you know, we're not actually getting out there and doing some stuff. So two regrets were voting Tim out and the second regret was not talking to Karen and then Karen, Sylvan and I voting Naomi out. That would have been the easiest thing to do. Because from my understanding, and I'm still not sure about this, and Sylvan did question them, and I think it comes up in the next episode, he says, did you guys talk about voting out Deb? And they all said, no, 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 we didn't talk about it. Naomi and Craig were always going to vote together. That was a given. But Karen and I were actually good mates. Karen came and lived with me in Sydney for about six months or something after the show. And, you know, I think we were even holding hands at the tribal council or something, and, um it was just so dumb, so dumb. You <laughs> just sort of go, oh, my God, why didn't you just turn around and say, Karen, the three of us should vote at Naomi. And that's what I mean about, like, this sort of thing that you go through, especially when we are living in that era, that you almost accept your fate, you know, and, and, it, and because that's the way it's all rolling, whereas that doesn't happen now. And that's, for me, that was the big thing. I think I just thought all right, this is going to be what it's going to be. It may be Karen, it may be me. I'll just have to trust that Craig or Naomi will make the right decision as opposed to just taking the bull by the horns and dealing with it, you know. So that's a huge regret for me was to not have done, just not have gotten up and just gone, hey, we, we, Karen, Sylvan and I were actually pretty tight. So we, we just didn't do it. And none of us thought to do it either. Like I'm not the only one. Karen didn't think to do it, neither did Sylvan. So it's just yeah, it's the weird twilight zone of Survivor, Australian Survivor series one, Whaler's Way. Yeah, K-
2: Karen's definitely an interesting one to watch because I think throughout the whole show they don't really show. I mean they don't show a lot of her, and also they don't really show her. Yeah, you know, strategically trying to play the game. But at like, did you guys click straight away? Was there talk about? You two trying to get to the end together?
0: No. All that sort of conversation, as far as I'm concerned, I never had a conversation with anyone on that level, oh. and I don't think anyone else did. Craig and Naomi may have had conversations, and I'd be really curious if, they, you know, if that's something that they talk about, if you guys get a chance to talk to them, um, because they were the only two towards that end that felt that tight. Sylvan and I were definitely tight, but we never, even we never talked about it. But I knew that if we'd gotten further, we would have stuck together.
1: Then when you're watching it back and you're seeing what's going on over Tapara with, you know, Katie and Rob and Shona, all of a sudden you're going, oh, my God, I was on the wrong tribe. I, I wish I could have been over there doing things like that.
0: Well, at least it would have put it all front and centre. I think, the as you know, as we were saying from the start, like it just never came up and it was a little bit of a – it was a dirty word, you know, alliances or, or even just sort of working together on the votes – like the vote when tim got voted out it was a lottery like there was just there were just names coming out of everywhere everyone was voting in isolation everyone was a silo at that point um and yeah it is fascinating that it just never there's so much it just didn't get talked about you know and i mean look i'm curious to know if if Kara and naomi and sylvan uh, craig had a conversation about me being the boot on the fifth episode um I mean, Karen swears that they didn't, but and and Sylvan says they he reckons they didn't, but I don't know. I I, I don't care if they did. Like, had the conversation. Like, but you know. But yeah, it it was it was weird. It, we just none of us. i not none of us because obviously Tapara were doing it. But as I said before, only three of them were. And then you know, obviously they drag Sophie in, and you know Joel comes in at some point. But none of them are really apart from those three. None of them are playing. You know. Not, or not playing to the extent that people would expect now.
1: So once you voted out, there's only four Kadena left. Did you give them any chance when you're torch the snuff? Did you think that nah, their goose is cooked? There's no way they're coming back from this.
0: Oh yeah, I was. I was pretty sure we were all done. And look, one disappointing thing for me was is that you know by the time Sylvan and Karen came out, they were both they were both done. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but you know, my recollection because we all stayed in the house together in Port Lincoln um, afterwards until we we left and um, they were quite happy and, you know, and I think I think we had all been resolute to the fact that the tribe was done. And, look, you know, and that's the other thing too, like um, there was a lot of talk. The talk around camp, if anything, about game was all about, I just want to make it to the merge. I just want to make it to the merge, you know. I don't want to be the first one to go and I just want to make it to the merge. So... You know, and you would think, oh, people are just saying that to kind of just cover up what's going on behind the scenes with their little alliances. But I'm actually genuinely believe that, that that was what was going on, that everyone was just like, I just don't want to be the next one to go and I just want to make it to the merge. And when the numbers dwindled and we knew we didn't have the numbers to be active in the post-merge, you know, everyone was just trying to get there, you know. So, um, yeah, so that's that's that.
2: So when you look back and... Everything you've just said does it does it make you realise how good Rob Shona and Katie really were? Because they played a pretty hard game, and especially Katie, she was only twenty four. It, it's quite amazing to think she played that game in that era and at the age of
0: twenty four. Oh, totally, absolutely, and that's you know that's a testament to her 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 fight and her you know like her her spirit as well, like that she was. You know it was so funny just the when well, I was listening to you guys saying how she wrote it all down. I saw one of the clips on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> she wrote everything down, like that's sort of how it worked back then, you know, rather than just sort of going bang, 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 but yeah, like it was it was, yeah, I mean, I take my hats off to the to the three of them, I mean they just they had their head screwed on, I mean Dave had his head screwed on too, that's the other thing as well, um. Yeah, it's sort of... And, look, you know, one thing I was just... I'd written a couple of notes just during the week thinking about stuff to talk to you guys about. But, you know, one thing I'd say, too, just generic, generally about the series was that the casting was very safe. You know, they didn't go for big characters. They didn't go for, you know, potentially not, you know, like, I don't know, there was just there was a safety. I I, was sort of wrote down here that it was very white bread, you know, it was very, very down the line. And look, I think part of the reason for that might have also been budget, you know, because we were out there a lot on our own. I mean, there was always a crew standing by or there was a field producer sleeping in a tent around the corner at night, but we didn't always have people there. And because they, I think they might have had four crews or something, or maybe six particular challenges or whatever. So you know, they had to trust that we were all going to not kill each other and not, you know, look after each other out there. And, you know, so there was, I think there was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to make that comparison when it was so early in the whole era of Survivor. But, um, yeah, it was very safe, the casting.
2: So do you recall when when it was Tapara's turn to go to Tribal, would there still be a camera person back at your camp or would there be no one there at that stage? Would, did they have to use all their... I guess, their resources to go to do all the filming on the Great Beyond on the boat?
0: Uh, Look, from recollection, I think we always, during the day and when something was happening, we always had a crew with us, like at least one crew. And, like, after after an immunity loss, we'd had two crews. And so, yeah, I think from memory they probably had fixed cameras on some of the... For the tribals, so that they will probably had a few more cameras out there, ne- not necessarily needing as many people to be actually there. Like, because out when I say you know a field crew, it's a it's a cameraman and a soundy, you know. So it's it's a crew it's a crew of two, if not, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. From memory, I think we always had someone out there. I mean, we always had someone out there regardless. But after the first few nights, once we got fire, we didn't always necessarily have someone there at night, you know. Aside from the field producer.
1: Let's play the wonderful game of what if, Deb. Let's let's say Karen goes in your slot. You are where Karen is at the merge. Obviously, probably not a whole lot could be done because again, this is the era of survival where really pagongings were a thing, and there wasn't. You know, Craig was the one trying to make way into uh, Tapara, but it didn't really happen. Who would have you been gravitated to? Who would have you sort of gone to? Was there anything you think you could have done differently that Karen couldn't do if you were in her spot?
0: Uh, in terms of dealing with Tapara, or yeah. just in general. Yeah, look, I think, and look, I, you know, I think Shona and I probably would have had a good rapport because I, um, and I you know, I, I caught up with Shona in Perth not long after the show, I went over there and, and spent some time with her and, um, you know, I think we've got similar, like we both have a martial arts background and stuff like that, so I don't think it would have penetrated the, you know, what was going on there, but... Um, You know, I would have liked to think that I would have responded in a similar way to Craig in that it would have been about, okay, how do we try and find something here to work with? Um, Yeah. Look, I'm not not saying that, you know, I think, well, I actually can't remember what Karen did when she got to the merge. I don't think, yeah. Got voted out. She got (laughs) voted out, yeah. Um, You know, I definitely would have, yeah. I mean, I say that, but it's so hard to know because I just feel like I was in such a time warp when I was doing that show. But, yeah, yeah. I would like to think that it would have been a bit more of a, a proactive effort not to, you know, go so quickly. And
2: I think I think in all fairness, especially to Karen, and um, Naomi and Craig, we've already said there was only a few people playing in Tapara. The rest were were definitely still loyal to 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 Rob and and Katie, and they they were loyal to their their own tribe, Tapara. So. I honestly think there wasn't really much you could do, unless there was a few more game players on Tapara. You know, the the, the mm. top ranks they they had their plan of what they're going to do, and the rest were just loyal to their tribe.
0: Yeah, and I think you can't. I mean, that's why you know they you know even Karen, I'm sure Naomi had a red hot go as well, and Craig they just couldn't penetrate that, and you know, and that is that sort of ancient. Pegonging sort of thing of like, you no. Know, even though we we're we're going to be the next person to go after you, we're not prepared to go there. And I I, I think they hit a brick wall as well. You know, they just there's just nothing. There was nothing. So yeah, look, it's there's so many factors involved. eh? like I just think if you know once we got down to the famous five, if they'd done a good old tribe swap on us, it would have been really interesting to see what happened then. You know.
1: Yeah. The 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 moment your torch gets snuffed, it's obviously the worst feeling any survivor player can have. But Take us through your emotions at that moment, and then getting back into Port Lincoln and kind of realizing, "crap, it's all over."
0: Mm. Um, yeah, look, I, I just remember—it's so funny. I look at that photo you posted, that frame grab the other day, and I went, "Oh my god, I'm like on the verge of tears," but I'm trying to be brave. <laughs> like, I'm so trying to be brave. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just remember, and I think that's my default too. I just try and use humor and, you know, be all cool about it and stuff. And I remember, you know, having a beer and a massive bowl of pasta when I got back to Port Lincoln. and, um, But, yeah, I just remember the next day just boiling my eyes out, you know, just about it all because it was just so disappointing to to just have that opportunity and really it was having the time of my life. Like outside of the – I look, maybe that was a factor, like just that idea of being out there and having that experience and, and just – there was a freedom to it too, you know. Like no phones, no communication, no. You know, you're just living in this bubble, and but it was f- fun and it was just raw and, you know, I, I I absolutely loved that side of it. Like I loved it, and you know maybe that's what distracted me from actually going. Hello, Deborah, you're playing a game. Make sure you get in there and play. You know, <laughs> um. So yeah, it, it it was that was a huge disappointment for me. Yeah
1: well going back to the fun aspect of it and having the time of your life singing deb you did a bit of it (laughs) um now there was the um i feel good moment uh but we've talked a little bit about a certain moment the the famous five uh which we we had to look up you you helped us by sending us the, the clip we we did a bit of research now matt and i aren't too familiar with the show are you able to give us like what was this show and this glorious theme that you guys like to sing out there
0: i was the only one who liked to sing it and i i will be reticent to sing it again the only reason why i brought it up i mean the famous five were the famous enid Blyton novels that you know i don't know if, well you might not have obviously as kids read um so i remember reading the books when i was a kid and there was a tv show but I didn't really watch the TV show because I was kind of over it by then. So I was really into Monkey. I don't know if you guys know Monkey.
1: I remember the Monkey,
0: yeah. Yep, you remember, I remember Monkey. Monkey? So Monkey's the show that got me into yep. doing martial arts. So um, I'm just trying to give myself some cred now, you know. <laughs> 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 Five theme song. Um, yeah, no, I don't class it as one of my greatest moments, I have to say. But it just popped up into my head and... Um, Far out. I don't know. I wish they did not put it on air, but yeah, yeah. I just remember sitting around and we just, I just sang it, and next thing you know, it's it's a catchphrase. So yeah.
2: <laughs> well, we've talked about David Half being before his time, but. These days, and maybe maybe you were before your time, because these days it's all about these alliances coming up with names for their alliances and all that. So,
0: Yeah, yeah oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> actually, you were the first one to do it in Australian Survivor history.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. I can Round say that's what I, that's what I can walk away from this experience saying that I did, yeah, the, the annals fir- of Survivor. <laughs>
2: the first player in Australian Survivor history to name their alliance. Yeah.
0: yeah. well there you go. Our non alliance, because as I said, we never just <laughs> sat around the five of us one day and said, Hey, let's be let's do this together and go all the way. We never had a I wasn't gonna
2: I wasn't gonna say that. I wasn't gonna bring up the fact that you didn't actually talk to each other about the game, but at least <laughs> at least you're naming it anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But look, as I said before, I think that by just by osmosis we were playing together. So, you know, there's something to be said about that. But anyway. Yeah, I have Famous to Five, not my greatest moment, boys. I don't think I want to necessarily repeat it and sing it again. Well, I was
1: going to say, you <laughs> know I'm going to have to at least ask you to, to oh, you know, try and potentially give us a, a rendition on the show, Deb. I'll, I'll, I'll even sing the one line that I know, the Timmy the Dog line.
0: No, do we really have to do that? Come on. I think on. we need to
1: give her a bit of a chant here and, and, and spur her on, Matt. What do you reckon?
0: Jesus, no. <laughs> <laughs> Deb. Shit. It's you a part it. of it's history. You don't need to sing it again, and you sing "Timmy the Dog every day. We
1: are the, the, dog the famous... Fi- <laughs> da, 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 da. Something, Julie, something else. Julie,
0: George and... Timmy George the dog.
1: <laughs> 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 Bucket okay. list achieved. Look at that.
0: Edit, edit, snap. In and out, mark in, mark out, cut.
1: <laughs> best best of. Uh, that, is, uh, that is the kicker right there. So, Deb, <laughs> you... W- so you've played the game, you then get to the stage where
2: it starts being shown on TV. What was your reaction? Obviously, you know, with editing and, and, and all that, you said that, yeah, you know, we all know that the budget wasn't quite as big or nowhere near as big as the Americans, but, but once you finish actually watching the series, and I'm assuming that you watched every episode being a Survivor mm-hmm. fan, that you actually watched your season, but uh, what were your overall thoughts of the season in general?
0: um look at the time it was really hard to decipher between just the fact that I was on the show and being a part of it as a contestant you know I couldn't definitely watch it from an an outsider's point of view at that point so in the moment of the show being on air it was very much about just living and breathing every moment of it um you know I, I, I obviously caught wind fairly quickly that it wasn't rating very well and all of that sort of stuff so it you know which was disappointing and Um, but it was very reflective of what was going on out there. And I think that that's a, you know, what can you do? Like really, what can you do? That's what it was. And, um, and I think that, yeah, like it's, it becomes this kind of reference point of where survivor, how survivors evolved. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought, look, look for what they had and for what they were able to achieve, you know, they did a, they did a reasonably good job. I mean, I actually don't know how they could have done any better to be completely honest with what they had. Um, Obviously the final episode is where you get what would probably be episode two of Australian Survivor these days or Winners at War <laughs> or whatever, you know, the shit hits the fan and it's all on, um, you know, and, that, and I guess if you were in for the, it's, you know, it's you look back at it now and you, or you look at it in the modern view and you go, it's a slow burn that builds to this epic final episode where these people now finally after X number of days have to turn on each other and, that never happens anymore. People are turning on each other every hour now, you know. <laughs> and that never happens anymore. So, you know, if you can allow yourself to take take it in on that, it's it was amazing television. And I, I remember we were obviously at Channel uh, at Crown uh, Crown Casino for the finale, and you know, watching backstage, and you know, I really felt for Katie because she'd obviously been prepared and told that you know that that was going to you know her sort of you know situation was going to be aired and her state of mind was going to be there for everyone to see and you know from my recollection she was I think they took her away and sort of had her in another room while that bit was going on so she was able to watch it you know on her own or with people that she was close you know her close people um but yeah no look it was it was amazing at the end you know it was really 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 good um yeah yeah, it was good. But look now nowadays, yeah, I look at it and I, 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 you know, I'm the first to put my hand up and go, I got it in rate. Right. It wasn't shot in a great location. It was this. It was that. You know. But we all gave it a red hot go. You know, and that's something that we just that's the, that they were the cards we were dealt. And you know, for everyone, for the cast, for the crew, um, you know, so it, it, it was what it was. And I'm I am proud of it, even though I'm you know bitterly disappointed <laughs> <with> my performance. <laughs> I'm uh, yeah. I'm 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 so glad to have been a part of it. Well, it's it's interesting
1: you mentioned about that final episode because even over the years when I maybe wasn't you know savory in talking about it highly, I, I did always automatically say, "But the last episode is fantastic." And I, I would still easily say that the fina- the final episode, is one of the best episodes of Survivor, no matter what version you're watching, because it is it is as you said that kind of that build up to people turning on each other and and the real emotions that you kind of had back in the game back then because you, as you said you don't get that now that's an episode by episode thing but you've literally got this woman just breaking down to the point where she's thinking about killing someone which is just so raw and emotional, and it's just yeah. its incredible to watch. And I just, I implore anyone out there who, who I, I want them to rewatch your season anyway, as we keep saying every week, but just that, that final episode is just incredible television.
0: Yeah, and look, I guess you think about it, right? You think about all the twists and turns that happen in Modern Survivor, and you think about that core three of Tapara going through that entire game unscathed. Like they did, until they had to turn on each other, they had no obstacles in front of them. Craig was a obstacle for a period of time, but the minute he lost that challenge, he was gone. No, and, and the odds of him being able to get all the way and win every challenge, God bless him, was very unlikely. So, you know, even then they they, they had a clear run. And so to get to that end point and have that happen and that betrayal, I mean, it's... I think we the game is played so quickly now, you don't even allow yourself to feel those emotions, whereas that's just, you know, that's raw in its element, you know, for all of them. Yeah, it was, it was amazing TV.
1: You, you mentioned about, you know, being amazing to be part of it. Do you Do you wish that there was a little bit more recognition or at least just a bit more... People realising of what you guys did and I mean it's great, obviously Channel Ten, they've got their own version now. Clearly it's it's clear to see why they have sort of gone to All Stars without looking back on your season, it's their own product, it's it's understandable. But do you think there should be some form of acknowledgement out there that your season actually does exist?
0: Yeah, look, it would be nice, obviously, but it's it's I don't know, you you know, it's it is what it is, and I totally understand why ten take the stance that they do. Um you know, it's 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 just you know I I get it and you know but I I w- yeah it would be it would have been nice and look if the show was if our season had been successful if there had been more you know twists and turns and stuff like that it you know it it who knows it would still be on Channel Nine and it'd be on its you know thirtieth year or whatever like it's it's thirtieth season like it's just it's just the way it just went and I think that I think they had to go into that so quickly and so in terms of actually making it and doing it that um, they, yeah, they just had, the, they were up against it from the outset. I mean, the minute they decided to shoot it in South Australia at Whaler's Way, I mean, anyway. <laughs> you,
1: you you shared a great photo uh, with me just before Christmas, of course, from the, the Actor Awards, or a picture of you and Pia, that real, I think, kind of, the first time I've ever really seen, I guess, two eras of Australian Survivor in one photo, yourself, and then at that point, the most recent winner of of Australian Survivor, how did tell us a bit about that meeting, and did you actually bring up the fact that hey, I actually was on Survivor too?
0: Yeah, so it was funny. I um, so I worked on a couple of shows last year um, that did very well at the actors. So um, one of them was Lambs of God on Foxtel and Total Control, which was with Deb Mailman and on the ABC. And um, so we had the actor awards. I was there with the with the uh, cast and crew, and Total Control won best drama. So we went up on stage and accepted the award for best drama. Then they took us out the back into the press room. Anyway, we we're waiting to do that. They were you know producers waiting to do press and all that sort of stuff. So I'm out the back smashing a champagne and eating <laughs> and hors d'oeuvres and stuff like that. And then. Australian Survivor crew comes in, or well, yeah, a couple of their EPs and PR, because they had just won Best Reality. So they were there, and the EP, I think his name's Adam. I'm so sorry, Adam, if you listen, but I've forgotten your name. He used to be an editor, and I he knew me, and I he knew, and I th- I knew, recognised his face, but I, um, I, I I had I couldn't quite you know place where I knew him from. And then he had said he used to be an editor, and now he was EPing Australian Survivor. And I was just saying, oh, man, I, you know, I loved it. I, you know, I love it. And um, I was on it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know. And then I like, oh, my God. And then, and then Pia came over. And, I, and then we just had a little, very quick conversation. And I said, oh, you know, I did it. And, and I said, oh, do you mind if I get a photo? And she goes, yeah, yeah, you know. And everyone was just excited and there's champagne flowing. And it's all like, yeah, actor rewards. And so we just got this photo together. And, um, yeah, it was a very fleeting moment. But I think I just, I think I just went into total fangirl mode when they came around the corner, I was like, oh, my God, it's, it's Australian Survivor, <laughs> you know. So, um, so I couldn't help myself, really. So, yeah, that's how that happened.
2: It, it's stuff like that we definitely want to see more of, and I think that's a, one of the reasons why, why we're doing this podcast. I mean, it, it's funny. You're saying you're a, you're a fangirl of Pia, but, you know, I think, for, like myself, to, to, to be able to have a photo with an original player would be bigger for me the fact that you guys are the original players. But, you know, that, I think that's something I hope that we see more of in the future is that, you know, the old school survivor and a new school survivor in some sort of capacity, whether it mm. just be, you know, a, a reunion or a, a photo, it, it's just good to see because there is a long history of Australian Survivor. Unfortunately, yes, there's a, a big gap in the middle, Um, you know, 10 years from the celebrity season to the Channel 10 season, but there is still a long history of survivor and that's something by ben and i trying to do this podcast is we're trying to achieve that so when we saw that photo of you it's fantastic and it got a lot of likes on social media as well it got a lot of likes
0: yeah yeah no it was great and it was and it well i think as i said i just got taken in the moment and it was just you know you did i think what was a feeling that connection really you know that you, you you're part of that like it might not be the same network and it's it's definitely evolved and it's changed but um yeah it, it is it's and I, I'd love I mean I'd love to chat about just that behind the scenes stuff that I don't know if you you know that maybe certain things can't be spoken about yet but it's it, I'd love to know how it all plays out in the modern game now or you know with the current you know, 10 version now in terms of that what was going on behind the scenes and you know it was really interesting I don't know if you guys saw and this is what I'm saying like I've been so off not off Survivor, but I haven't really been paying a lot of attention for a long time. And then all of a sudden, with Winners at War and with All Stars, I was getting back into it. And Nick posted stuff on Twitter today about what didn't make it into the edit last night of that episode. And I just thought to myself, "Wow, that's it's really interesting how those all those lines between, you know, are getting blurred now about how much you can and can't say." You know, like he's basically going in there and saying, "Well, you didn't see this, and they didn't show that, and they didn't do this, and..." And it's like, wow, like, okay, that's quite... You know, we would never have been allowed to say... We weren't allowed to tell anyone we were out there. While we, and, I mean, obviously, with no social media, it was a different era. But, yeah, it was. it's just interesting how it all evolves.
1: In that different era, too, no social media, but, again... Yeah, I mean, even though, as you said, kind of the show didn't rate entirely well, but to today's standards, it would have rated a lot higher to what people are watching television today. Mm. Did you get that recognition for a while you know people coming up to you deb survivor you know what was that experience like
0: yeah i did it was a, a little a little bit yeah it was a bit you know you get a bit like, oh okay <laughs> like it's but it was yeah it was nice it was nice and look you know i got a good my my time on the show wasn't poorly you know i had a good representation i suppose and um you know and i do think i was myself too most you know i'm not most of the time i just was and um yeah so it was it was nice to have that you know, to get that every now and again. And occasionally now I do get the odd person going, I know you from somewhere, where do I know you? And you sort of start pushing through the, you know, the possibilities and occasionally it's because of that. And I remember, you know, going to parties and my old housemate used to say, yeah, yeah, she was on Big Brother. So then it all just kind of just, <laughs> just just to stir the pot, you know, like, <laughs> but yeah. And it's funny now because like, you know, I work in a different in part of the industry and people just fall off their chairs when they find out that I did it, you know, but then there's all that, you know, because, you know, we work in this high-end, you know, television drama and it's so prestigious and stuff. And then they're like, oh, what, you did a reality show? And then they find out you did Survivor and then they, you find out they're all closeted Survivor fans. So, <laughs> oh, so, what happened and did they feed you and this and that, you know, so it all comes about, so,
1: yeah. And was that was that, that way too when you went back to work? Were people just kind of asking all these, you know, technical behind-the-scenes questions rather than the game side of things?
0: Oh, it was a lot about the conditions, and and that's pretty much all mostly people talked about back then. Was how hard was it? Were they feeding you? Where you know? Did they really make you sleep on the ground? And all that, that's that's pretty much what people ask you. They don't They weren't asking a lot about gameplay back then.
2: Did you get to keep any memorabilia from the show?
0: Yeah. So I, as I said, with the, I've got the I've got a buff that everyone signed, and I've got it wall mounted and framed in a, and it's got my um I've got the the puzzle, like, the sorry, the tree mail from the boot, my immunity boot challenge, you um, know, a, a photograph sort of thing. It's, it's massive, though, and I have to say it's way too big now. I'm like, what am I going to do with this thing? It's so freaking heavy and big. And But, yeah, it is my one memento. And I've also got, like, hundreds of photographs from the bloody rap party and the final episode and all that sort of stuff stashed away. I've got photos of Sylvan and Karen and I in the house we stayed at in Port Lincoln and you know, and that was fun. I mean, Port Lincoln was like, we watched so many, we went to the movies so many times and watched Zoolander about, cause that was what was screening at the time at Port Lincoln great cinema. Movie. Yeah. Great movie. I think we went to the cinema and watched it like eight times. We watched wow. Zoolander. I wrote this down because I was just thinking about my time in Port Lincoln, spent more time there than I did on the, on the show and deep-fried Mars bars. There was a fish and ship shop that sold deep-fried Mars bars, and Sylvan and I ate so many deep-fried Mars bars. <laughs> it, it was deep-fried Mars bars and Zoolander. That's all I remember about Port Lincoln.
1: That's a perfect weekend, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, and like Sylvan's fantasy word, hello, deep-fried Mars yeah. bars.
2: <laughs> Add it to the list. I'll tell you one thing, Ben. I, I've, we've never seen any of these photos from when they were in the lockdown phase after the show or from the reunion. So, Deb, if you've got any classic photos that you want to share with us, by all means, I'm sure our listeners would uh, would love to see it because we, we've never seen that side of the show where, you know, the after party or, or yeah, that, that after you are voted out, but you're still with these people.
0: Yeah. Well, look, I've got them because I was—I was quite. I took a lot of. I was really into photography when I was um, around that age, and yeah, I—I I, I actually had cleaned out my office recently and found this big, massive box, and was pulling it all out, and there's all these photos in there, and yeah, I've got heaps of photos. I'll—I'll I'll scan a few and, and send them to you. I've got a photo of Lincoln dancing with his shirt off.
1: Oh well, <laughs> there's your Which priority. Apparently,
0: I, well, apparently he loved to do that, so you know that was his thing, so. You know? That's a
1: question we didn't ask him or we didn't know about at the time, Matt. So if we get him back <laughs> on for Lincoln interview Redux, Sorry, we'll be asking
0: I'm that. It. <laughs> <laughs> now,
1: you've obviously mentioned a bit about your career and obviously gone on to great big things straight afterwards. I mean, just give us a bit of an insight into kind of some other shows that you've worked on over the years.
0: Yeah, so I, I, when I was doing the show, I was working in – I was sort of like in post-production, so it's like the editing side of it, sound, and, and I was supervising. So it's like more of a production manager type role. And then not long after the show, probably well, about four years later, I just worked, started working solely in editing. And, um, yeah, I've edited um, – some of the shows I've done are Underbelly, Puberty Blues, uh, Mystery Road, the Peter Allen biopic um, – yeah, uh, the code which was on the ABC, and yeah, just a lot of, lot a lot a lot a lot of drama, um, yeah, which is a lot of fun, you know, and and I, I really enjoy it. It's it's good it's good work. I mean, we sit down too much, so that's the only problem. It's just too sedentary, but um, yeah, but no, it's good fun.
1: Well, as somebody who does a lot of audio editing, I mean, it, it is yeah. kind of it's weirdly addicting though, isn't it? People think it's very tedious, but it, it is also, I don't know if you get the same enjoyment out of it. You get paid a lot more than I probably do, but it's still fun. <laughs> like it's still fun. Yeah, right? It's
0: one thing too. Like, I actually really like just being on my own in the dark room, sort of looking at material and deciphering and, I, you know, and I was thinking about it, like talking earlier about my midlife crisis. I was sort of going, well, I ever reapply for survivor. I should just bloody put an application in and not sort of talk about the fact that I've been on it before. I wonder if that would work. And, um, but I just thought about well, what about what I do, you know, and how does that relate to how it could translate to the game and stuff? And the beautiful thing about editing, you know, performance is about searching for authenticity and looking for, you know, is that is that real? Do I believe them? Do I don't? You know, and that's part of what I love about what I do is you sit there and you, you look at a performance and you go, I believe that as a person, as a punter watching, I would believe that, and it's in, you know, and I think that that sort of, um, you know, I think there's some of the, something in that could relate to you know, playing again,
2: which I would love to do. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you if you never know, they're always thinking up new ideas for different seasons. If they finally decided to acknowledge your season and do an old school versus new school and they asked you to go on, I'm assuming you said you you would go on. would Would you play differently this time? Would you actually go out and look for alliances?
0: I, yeah, you definitely play differently. I think anybody and Matt, I'm sure you would attest to this you got another chance and you really wanted to go back out there you would play differently. you know you learn from you learn from your mistakes and um I mean, yeah, I, I just think you just got to be more you just got to be active and you've got to roll with the punches and and just go with it. so I don't think inherently my personality would would change much. I don't think I could become someone else I just it's just not inherent in me I just can't I don't think I could do that. But, yeah, I, I think I would definitely just be more on it very quickly. Yeah.
1: Outside of your, your stellar career, uh, everything else going well for you, Deb? Uh, any Anything else exciting happening in, in Deb land?
0: No, not really. Just, you know, beautiful partner and three gorgeous dogs and two cats. And, you know, so it's just sort of, um, yeah, just life really, you know, and um, – yeah, no, not, nothing super exciting, really, but, yeah, just happy and doing my thing and just at the moment cannot get Survivor out of my head, which is weird because it hasn't been like that for a very long time. But I do want to say, say this, and I don't know how, you know, how you feel, Matt, but it took me a long time to get over it. You know, it's, it just it just gets in your head and you just think about, oh, I should have done this, I should have done that, and you know, and it went away for a long time. And now all of a sudden, I think it's your fault. You guys got me going again. <laughs> bloody getting in touch, going, we're new a podcast. I'm like, oh, okay. Well,
2: the problem <laughs> just, is now you're spending all your time listening to our podcast and it's taking I up know. all your time. I don't
0: but know. And then, and then I've become addicted to podcasts recently. I started listening to the bloody, um, what's his name? The guy in America, Rob Zestrinos. Oh, Rob's Zestrinos.
1: Rob has a podcast, yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Like the detail and the, the, the kind of the, the drilling down, it's, it's extraordinary. It's addictive
2: going on it it, it definitely does get addictive and that's how ben and i first sort of got to know each other well before i even played the game was through me he was a listener to to my
1: old show and uh basically i had kind of taken a break of um survivor 2 and matt had messaged me basically it was like oh did did you see uh the new cast for australian survivor and i'm kind of like oh i haven't spoken to this guy in a while i'll I'll message him later not realizing that he was bloody on the show and i'm like holy crap former (laughs) listener of ours is on the show
2: (laughs) I, I didn't have the heart to tell him though that I was a first boot.
0: Uh, <laughs> what about you, Ben? Are you ever? You, you, what have you done? Have you applied? Have you? Are you going to give it a go? What's the story?
1: I I have applied a couple of times. I I think I'm just probably a little bit too good looking for Survivor. I'm not too sure, <laughs> but um, I I I am uh very shortly moving over to Canada, and I'm hoping in five years time. If I get my Canadian citizenship, I can then apply for, for US Survivor now that Canadians can apply for American Survivor. So my grand plan is to to go for the the granddaddy of them all if Australian yeah, Survivor yeah. don't want me. So they're oh, lost.
0: They're lost, mate. They're lost. Go big. Go big.
2: <laughs> but, but Deb, you are 100% right. Like, everyone reacts to being, you know, to... to I guess, in, unless you win, you, you fail because everyone goes out there wanting to be crowned sole survivor. And you're 100% right. Once once you get back, you, you you have so much time to think about what you could have done differently, what you should have done. So many things you get, you get multiple people telling you, oh, you should have done this, even though they weren't out there, they don't know what happened. You know, and, and it does go on for a while. People like to bring up, oh, you didn't win or you messed up. And it does play on your mind. But I think I think when you get, to that point where you realize well only one person wins things happen in life you can't predict what's going to happen in the future you go out there with your best intentions and for for one person they get it right the rest of us don't and i think once you realize that that's when you can move on and actually start enjoying the game again
0: absolutely and, and i think you cannot ever and i think anyone i mean if you as a viewer as an astute viewer or as a player there is luck involved I'm sorry, oh, but there always is. Like, if you, I mean, I, I, I'd forgotten, and Dave mentioned it in his interview. He was almost on Tapara. That Lance was going to come in with us. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, just things like that, sliding door moments. You know, like swap. You know, tribal swaps, all of that, and particularly what goes on now. Like, there's the, the there is luck involved, hands down, and and that and therefore, you know, you really look back and you think there's probably a few that have just nailed it from the outset. And, and most of them are from earlier seasons, you know. I mean, I'm sure there's been some ones lately, but there's always something that's helped them along the way that was out of their control, you know. And, um, yeah, and I think when you take that into consideration, absolutely. It's sometimes about the cards you were dealt, you know. So After, yeah.
2: after you were voted out and you gave your final confessional, this is a question I know Ben... Uh, wanted to to ask you. Um, you you mentioned that there was a, a guardian angel reminded you last night that it was just a game. That was your one of your closing mm. comments. You said um, after you've been voted out to the camera. Do you remember what that was about?
0: I don't, to be honest. Um, the only thing I thought of is so my luxury item was a photo album, and it was just and you know I had photos of like my family and friends, and and in the back of it I'd slipped a photograph of. 9 uh, 911 so the, uh, the the building's basically crumbling and i put it in there to remind me of that's that's the reality of life this is the shit that can happen in life the unex- this is just as- that's life you know this where you're in right now is a is a construct to an extent and you're in it and you're living it but i don't know whether or maybe that had something to do with it and maybe i had some i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember the exact details but i do remember that i was living i was kind of thinking in this state of just and I remember when I did my ankle, that was, I hadn't pulled that album out and that was the first time I'd looked, I'd spent some time just looking at it and I remember looking at that picture. And to be honest, that's the only picture in that book that I remember keeping, oh, that stays in my memory because it was about just remembering. And 9-11 had just happened. It was because we shot in 2011, so it wasn't, um, sorry, 2001, so it wasn't that long that long after.
2: And it does really make you realise you're 100% that it is just a game because, I know myself, you know i I took a pretty hard um being a massive fan, like I wanted to do, I wanted to win. I wanted to do really well, and never thought I'd be the first boot. But you know, less than twelve months after me being uh, coming back, and obviously I went straight back to work and um I was involved in an incident on work where I had a a member of the public try to kill me in a, in a vehicle uh, mm. while on duty. and I think it was at that point I realized, you know what? like yes, it's it's a game. it's a game we love, but you know, it's, I, I got very lucky in that instant that I wasn't seriously hurt or killed. And, and yeah. I think, well, what would I rather more lucky in a game of survival or a game of life? And yeah. I realized, you know what? I had no luck on the game, but I had a lot of luck in that instance. And it's, it's those <laughs> moments that you realize, you know, it is just a game.
0: Yeah, totally, totally, and 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 that's you're, you know you're you know you're absolutely right. Like for what you do for a living and to be in that situation, I mean that's just I think that's sort of akin to why I probably had that photo with me. Is just just this reminder of, yeah, reminder of what life is. And and you know it was it was a it was a wonderful opportunity. And 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 uh, you know I was you know I cannot you know you cannot deny that just as much as for you, like we're part of that. You know, and and it was just a lot of fun and yeah. yeah. Uh, just, just happy days. Happy days.
1: <laughs> well, well. On that note, before we let you go, Deb, just just a couple of closing facts here. Of course, um, if you if you listened to us last week, you would have heard uh, on our little article we have from the Herald Sun, Luke Dennehy, in his preview, he had put here that you were basically the second favourite going into his preview. He rated you four and a half stars out of five, only behind Rob, which which is fantastic to see, but unfortunately not quite uh, where he was thinking you were going to finish. But in the official guidebook, um, I'm not going to mention your embarrassing moment about wetting your pants in prep, but I do want to uh, bring up the fact... (laughs) You're welcome. um, That... The question here that was asked to you, why do you believe that you could be the final uh, Australian Survivor? And you've, you've answered, every time I set a goal for myself, with the exception of winning an Oscar by the time I was 25, I've achieved it. Now, um, we've had the Oscars this week. Uh, new goal, trying to win one by, I don't know, the next big age milestone?
0: Well, we, we here in little old Australia I like to call the actors the Australian Oscars, and I've won two of those.
1: Well, so, there you um, go.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And this, yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm doing all right and, um, but that's, once again, like, isn't that, that's just age and ambition, you know, like, I'm, you know, I still have ambitions for my career and, but I was, yeah, so young back then and and as I've gotten older, as I've settled down and found other priorities in life, I mean, I, I still aspire to work at a certain degree and a certain standard, but... You know, if I don't get that Oscar, I'm 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 really okay with that.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you also. I think I mentioned last week too, uh, saying your favorite TV show, at least at the time of this book, was ER, and uh, that that's a show yeah. close to my heart. So I, I appreciate that answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, ER was in its prime, was uh, exceptional. Yeah.
1: Yes, were you were you a were you a Ross man, a Clooney man? Were you more of a, a Noah Wiley uh, Carter man, uh, woman? I should say. What I'm saying, I'm, I'm the man here. You know what
0: I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I was. Uh, no. I kind of liked them all. I was. You know. I was a big Juliana Margulies fan. I have to say. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. No. I, I. Yeah. No. I just liked. I remembered
1: Lucy, the young. She was a young oh, doctor. Stab- the one who ended up getting yeah. stabbed. Yeah. No. I. I, yeah. I was quite. I liked Lucy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I've never watched one episode of ER, so I've got nothing. Well, to right.
0: Well,
1: add you're to fired, so Matt. Uh, thanks and, for your time. I mean, on the it was a
0: of a time, ER. Like it was very. It's very it was. dynamic. Very yeah, just very good television. Very it was well the Game TV. of
1: Thrones of the mid '90s. Everybody watched it. It was what everyone was talking about. So, mm. well, but before I
2: go back and try to, to try to watch all the episodes of VR, I've got to get the Famous Five watch first. Yeah, don't
0: do me a favour. <laughs> just watch monkeys. Much
1: better. Monkeys. All right, done
0: monkey well it's Japanese.
1: <laughs> we we will be sure to get you back on there when we ever cover monkey and of course uh, when we do cover the the famous five because I think Matt and I put it on the bucket list but uh, Deb it, it has been an absolute pleasure to to catch up and and chat and and reminisce and help you with your survivor addiction that's clearly happening with you right now and uh,
0: it's a, it's a, I've gone out of remission what do they call it when it comes back it's like a you know
1: a relapse basically a
0: relapse that's it I've had a relapse. <laughs>
1: yeah we'll take full responsibility like next time you speak to your yeah. sponsor like get him to call us yeah, and, and abuse yeah us basically, i was doing I think.
0: fine and now it's gone to the next level it's weird anyway yes
1: we really well we really appreciate uh helping you relapse today and um joining us here in australian survivor archives it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah likewise guys thank you so much and as i said earlier and as the everyone else has said before thanks for thanks for thinking of us it's nice SOGs. I was thinking we should call ourselves the fossils. If we ever come back <laughs> on a like, new school? We should just be the fossils, you know. Because by the time they finally get around to doing it, we'll all be fifty at least. The famous five <laughs> will all be in their fifties. So you know, at the rate we're going, so yeah.
2: And Deb, before before we let you go, one last thing: who's your prediction to win All Stars?
0: Um, I think it's going to be. Uh, Tarzan, or it's going to be someone who's keeping a super, super, duper low profile, super we'll, duper low.
2: Tarzan's my pick. He's my prediction. So we'll see how he goes.
0: And I think it's also because if you watched, and this is just an editing thing too, like the bloody one of the packages that came out, and he's he says, if you're going to win anything, you want to win Survivor. And I just thought that's that's like Pierre Miranda saying, if I'm not the f- first to go, I'm going to win. That yeah. just sounds like that to me. So let's yep. uh, let's see if we're right,
2: Ben. What another fantastic episode we have! I love interviewing these old school survivor plays. You just—it's nothing better.
1: Yeah, no, it's it is fantastic. And as obviously we said in that interview at the very beginning, you know, I had the pleasure of having Deb on uh, the Oz Network a couple of years ago. And I knew she was going to be absolutely great value. She she knows the game very well and always open to talk about Survivor. So fantastic to learn about these things. We've got a bit of the Fantastic Five sung there as well. So, you know, I think, that, I think we're ticking off a few of these bucket list achievements already. Ben, it's the Famous Five, not the Fantastic ah, Five. May as well be the same. They're both <laughs> fantastic and famous, you know, Timmy the dog's there. It's always going to be a a, a grand old time whenever you're, you're learning about this, and who knows? We'll throw an episode on one time, and we'll we'll learn a little bit more about it. Definitely, definitely. But I can I can
2: definitely see how how Deb got on the show. She's got, she's got a great personality, doesn't she? Easy to talk to. I can see why she would have been very well liked in Kadena. And you're right. You've said this multiple times. It's such a shame that she wasn't able to go further because I think. We would have only seen more great things for Deb. And it's also great to hear Deb talk about, you know, her regret for not playing as hard as possibly, you know, she could have. But from, from hearing her talk, that the whole tribe was like that. So who knows if she was in Tapara, things could have been different. But great character. And, um, yeah, fantastic
1: to to hear all the, the, the backstory and inside goss of what happened out at Whaler's Way. And speaking of great characters and great goss and great everything else, next week we get into episode six of season one, which is a bit of a sad moment. It's not necessarily the saddest moment we've had so far. Obviously, we lost David and we know how you're still mourning that loss. But we lose our maybe our next most talked about player, at least at this point. Certain Sylvan. We heard a bit about Sylvan, uh, of course, uh, throughout Deb in this interview. But uh, Sylvan's Boot episode next week, Matt. And our last episode in the tribal phase of the game because things are about to heat up we're about to hit the merge and uh, i'm very excited to talk about episode six it's again it's a bit of a slow burn it's it's kind of similar to episode five when maybe sort of two of the the weaker episodes of the season where there's maybe not a lot going on as much as we've had in the earlier episodes and will in the later episodes but there's still enough entertainment going on i think that we've got we're going to still have a fair few things to talk about when we come to next week's episode yeah, definitely, and it, it's this next episode. It's it's the last chance for
2: Kadena to sort of show some sort of fight and, you know, unfortunately it sort of doesn't happen, but um, we're not too far off getting to the merge, which, of course,
1: is the, uh, the one tribe never to have a buff, of course, the Aurora tribe. Great segue into that, Matt. Uh, stay tuned to Australian Survivor Archives because, of course, we gave away a couple of those buffs that we had made up, thanks to the great people over at Headskins, and we will have another opportunity for people listening who may miss out and they want to get their hands on a buff. So, so all I'm going to say, stay tuned. We will announce more in the coming weeks because I posted a picture of me wearing one during the week, covered my face up, the best way to, to do it, I think. But uh, you've gotten yours, so I'm looking forward to seeing what you look like in one too. But um, it's it's very exciting, exciting piece of memorabilia that uh, we can officially say is exclusive. It's never been done before and something to, I guess, celebrate the the season that was Whaler's Way Season 1 Australian Survivor. And it's a bit of memorabilia that I'm sure buff collectors and and any fan of
2: the Survivor history is going to want because I know myself, it's definitely, you know, this is a tribe that never had a buff. And for the first time all these years later, we now have an Aurora buff. So they they look fantastic. Great job by Cable for organising it with head skins. And uh, I just received mine. So you will, I will post a photo soon with me in that, uh, in that Aurora buff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's great times, and uh, that's what we're doing on ASA. We're, we're, we're bringing back good memories, and we're also
1: fixing things that should have happened at the time. And if you want to stay up to date with all these good memories, of course, the easiest way to get these episodes directly to your speakers is by subscribing to us on your Podcast server, whichever you do use. It could be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. I was about to say iTunes again. We've been over this. doesn't exist anymore, Ben. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you can subscribe and all of those ones. And while you're there, leave us some feedback. Give us a rating. Let us know what you think of the show. We would very much appreciate it. And it does help us, too, going up the ranks when it comes to being a little bit more exposed and getting the show out there a little bit more as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We post daily wherever we can, and we love to interact with you, the fans. And thank you very much for all the kind words that we do get along the way. Great sharing these posts with you, great seeing the feedback and really great celebrating this little show that is called Australian Survivor that did of course start in 2002 as we keep celebrating. And again as we mentioned with Deb in this episode, 18 years it has been on the air as of this week that we did celebrate the uh, anniversary of the very first episode airing all the way back in 2002 on February the 13th. So a great little occasion to celebrate during the week in a very busy time for Survivor fans right now at the time of listening to this, if you are listening when this episode is fresh off the presses. If you're listening to us in like 2025, it's a nice little time capsule of remembering how busy Survivor was in the early parts of 2020. But thanks again to Deb for joining us on the show. Thanks to everybody for listening. And I'll conclude this by saying that my name is Ben Waterworth and I'm going to go play with Timmy the Dog.
2: Trust me, he's going to go play with Timmy the Dog. Guys, I'd love to stay and chat, but I've got the first episode of Winners at War to Watch. So until next time, howdy.
0: Timmy the (laughs) dog.